Hey everybody, welcome to the Board Game Mechanics. Uh, I'm Joel, and with me, as always, is... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. And Jason, I am feeling incredibly blessed. It's the month of thankfulness here, it's November, but man, I am thankful that we have awesome fans. That is true, me too. I got a nice gift in the mail, and it was super awesome. And I'm saying that in spite of the fact that, I mean, you're, you're getting the love right now, and I'm getting the, you put up with Joel, <laughs> written inside the box. <laughs> I mean, you do kind of bring that on yourself. You say that like every episode. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. No, it's cool. Our fans are awesome. And uh, beyond that, like on some threads, I found some threads around different places on the internet where people were asking for podcast suggestions and we got mentioned along with some of the bigger games, games, uh, podcasts. So I don't know, maybe we are a bigger podcast than we think, which will give me real bad stage fright. <laughs> I won't be able to. Be real dumb like that last episode. I, t- I told Katie that we got some mentions on that group, and she's like, did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, fair, too. Yeah, that is fair. Uh, the, the other fun thing, too, guys, this is a, a little pro tip. So um, Pluto TV is a brand new – well, not brand new. It's been around for a while, but it's a, a free TV station oh, like, man. app on Roku. Pretty cool. So good. But there's a there used to be a Geek and Sundry channel, and I think it turned into TV Gamer – which has tabletop episodes and Foreververse and all kinds of cool stuff on there. So if you want a cool just channel to throw on and have some like game stuff happen on there, you can get the Pluto TV app. And they're not even a sponsor or anything, but um, just check that out. And yeah, speaking of sponsors, I, I think our hubris got the best of us there. <laughs> no, it, it was Pluto TV. That's what we were talking about this whole time. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, Gamer TV is, uh, I think, 637. But unfortunately for me and everyone who gets Pluto TV, channel 639 is Naruto TV. And so you just go down to Naruto and you hear that good Naruto theme song <laughs> and you just watch Naruto instead of gamer TV. Uh, are you done with the Naruto, Jason? No, I'm not a huge anime fan. Just a moderate one. Uh, yeah, sure. My wife would like me to be an anime fan, but I can't do it. Naruto's a good place to start. It's got a killer theme song and I'm not kidding. Like It's worth the Google after this show. Yeah, I, I used to watch Death Note, but that's as far as I got into it. Death Note's on Pluto TV right now as we speak. I know, I saw it earlier. <laughs> I do like that one. That's awesome. Uh, I You know what? I kind of wish we weren't doing 10 games because we've got enough other stuff to talk about. We could probably not talk about our 10 games and just talk about the games you and I played. We got together over the weekend. That was fun. Um, and yeah, there was just a lot of stuff, man. I mean, who, so, who's to say we have to do a top 10 and we could just squeeze something else in right here? Ah, uh, the fans. The fans say so. Yeah, I guess that's true. We have a contract with them. <laughs> Pluto TV says we need to do the rest of our top 10. <laughs> well, if we want to end our top 10 on episode 100, which is a pretty cool idea, I think we have to do yeah, a- another 10 games. That's true. But speaking of anime, I'm pretty excited that I I uh, was able to land a copy of Tanto Kore over the weekend. So uh, oh, yeah. I got it all sorted out. And I think your wife's synopsis of it. That the butlers and the base game, not too slutty. Pretty cool. Yeah, uh, totally. Fantasy fantasy vacation, is that what it's called? Romantic vacation. <laughs> Romantic vacation. Oh, that's... <laughs> yeah. That one doesn't go to church camp. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> no. Nope. No, it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, and we got to play a ton of games. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what game you're going to talk about because I don't have the, the outline up. But I doubt it's Homebrewers. 
but that's one of the more underrated games we played all weekend. I think I like really enjoyed that the more I think about it. So that's true. That's a good game. I had a good time. It was just a good, fun little light game. And that's how we kicked off the weekend. What was your favorite game of the weekend? Or are you going to talk about it? Um, it was probably, uh, let's see. Uh, I really enjoyed playing Newton because I really like Newton, but I'm going to talk about a different game. Newton is good though. Uh, for sure. But, oh, well, I liked Airlines Europe, too. That was fun. Did you like it? I didn't know if you did yeah. it or not. No, it was really fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. For an Island Moon game, I mean, like, it's definitely an Island Moon game, but I think it's I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. Well, very cool. Let's. I guess let's get at it. Let's get to the news, and then we can talk about some more stuff we played. So I was browsing through Kickstarter, and I there were some decent games on there, but some of them that have been covered to death. So I found one that is called Legacies, and it's a heavy Euro game. Rado covered it on his channel, and I haven't seen a ton of other people talk about it, but what this is, from what I could tell, I watched Rado play it for 40 minutes, and I have no idea what's going on in this game still, but what it looks like is you have multi-use cards, and you're using these cards to build relationships with other people on the board that are tied to these different industries. Then you're going to be trying to make these industry prices go up and down, in a like it's a pretty simple way they're just moving up or down the track and based on where they are at certain points you're going to score some points and based on how you're connected with some of the relationships is going to determine some of the resources that you get at certain points i don't know it looks like a card playing game and some resource management because you're trying to get resources to get these artifact things that have no bearing on the rest of the game at all so I don't know. It's heavy. It's convoluted. Seems kind of like my type of game. So I wanted to talk about it. So Legacies, $69 and it has 26 days to go. It sounds like it like it has some economy stuff in it too, which I dig for sure. Yeah, it has like it's it almost has like that um like some of the city of the big shoulders type stuff where you're paying dividends out and stuff, but it's it's less math heavy, I think, than that. Yeah. That I've heard that game is math heavy to some people. Yeah, we may we may talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> Well, cool. Uh, that's it for news, I guess, because we're we're keeping it short. We got stuff to talk about. All right. So one of the games I played when we were when we were hanging out at um, Gunterville, as his <laughs> Wi-Fi is so aptly named, and it was a game day on last Saturday, and you were there. It was a couple other. I I don't know who I was in the riveted, but at least one more person in the riveted. And we got to play a couple games together. So we played Home Brewers. I don't know if you'll talk about that later. And then we played this game that I'm going to talk about, which is called City of the Big Shoulders. Oh, so, yeah. I love so this th- game, Jason. Yeah, this is one of a game that you really like. I don't know how high it is in your list. I'm sure we'll get to it later. But what this is, is this is a, a heavy economic stock trading, run your factory to create goods, to turn those goods into resources that you're selling to get money to put into your company. And you're trying to divest and invest and buy other people's stocks. They buy your stocks. But if you buy too many stocks, you become a controlling share owner of this business and then you're running another company. And there's also some superfluous worker placement at the beginning. So yeah, if I, I guess it's 18XX style. I haven't ever played an 18XX, but you and Jeremy were saying that it was 18XX-ish. The stock part is the stock yeah, part's a little 18xx ish. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't played, so that was a little heady. My complaint with this game, I ha- enjoyed it a lot, but my complaint is, I felt like I was only playing half the game, and 
I played the whole game and I still have no idea about the math. Like I get math. I'm not like a moron, but it's just, it takes me a while to do 30% of $790, you know? So I, I just can't think of that super quickly. So it was just making me feel dumb. So that was the one thing that I didn't like. But other than that, good game. I like running the factories, like producing the goods, liked uh, moving up that fame track because tracks are my jam. And I really enjoyed that. So City of the Big Shoulders, good game. I would like to play it again maybe at three. Yeah. Maybe that would alleviate some of my downtime issues. So, yeah, I liked it. I like it best at three. Uh, it's really good at three. And I, I just think it does better at three. It just plays a little quicker, but there's still a lot of tension. You run a lot of companies. At three, actually, I, I will tend to get into three companies. I only did two in this game. Um, so I really do like that game a lot. And I, I, I don't know. I think it's one of those games too that I think maybe the second, third time you play it, you kind of feel things click a little better. I get your criticism of it and it's not even a big criticism. It's just the way how the game is. Once you get a bunch of companies going, when you get to that company phase, it's like you're playing an eight player game because there's eight companies. So it's right. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of a lot of downtime. You're right. So you did well though. For your first play, you definitely did well. I you ended up beating me by like two hundred and fifty bucks, I think. And then we both got slaughtered by by Jeremy, who's I'm sure listening oh, yeah. and, and will gloat in the riveted about him he <laughs> just destroyed us. Well he he got a, I think we all played really well after the second round, but somehow in the second round, he got everything to pop and he made tons of money in the second round. So then he had lots of money to just do what he needed to do. And and invest and just I, he did really well. He played it as well as I've ever seen it played. So good on him. Um, but yeah, that's that's a, I liked it. I enjoyed playing it quite a bit. So the other guy that was playing with us, his name was Ryan. Is that right? I think so. I've never played with him before. All right. So shout out to Ryan. But I do appreciate both Jeremy and Ryan and you because everybody plays quickly. No AP. That game probably should have been another hour had other people been playing. Yeah. So I appreciate that we banged out. A four-player game of that in three hours. So yeah, and it nice. really did. It played in three hours, which is phenomenal. And for the depth and like kind of the journey, you feel like you go on in that game. If it was a fast, it was a fast three hours. But it, oh, I agree it, for yeah, sure. It it's it's a lot of fun for sure. Jason, the game I'm going to talk about is going to surprise you. This is the game that was the most surprising how fun it was to me. Here we go, Jason. Yeah. You ready? Yep. Prodigal's Club. Oh yeah, so good. It's it's it is it's really good, man. I I didn't think it was gonna be that good. I was I was like, what are all these modular boards and what? I don't even I don't get this. And I really didn't get the game for the first three rounds. I just know you said this middle spot is really powerful. So I was like, I'll just go there, I guess. And I got these really cool cards that like basically helped me the rest of the game to just kind of be pretty strong. And it it was a really fun game. I really enjoyed it. Um, Basically, you're trying to make yourself as miserable as possible by making people mad and showing up naked to Sunday picnics <laughs> and things like that. So really fun game. You're trying to burn all your wealth, destroy your family relationships, and it's actually a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoy that game. The theme is amazing, too. It really is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I like that one quite a bit. Um it's it's a neat game. Vladimir Suchi. Um, it's like Last Will Plus or Gamer Last Will or something, it seems like based on what you were saying. So um, pretty, pretty cool though. Uh, I still don't understand the shedding coins thing as well as I'd like, but I definitely play this one again. I'm not sure that I'm going to go out and find a copy for myself, but it's one that I think is better than the board game geek ratings on it and is better than the box looks and things. It's worth a play. It's, it was really fun. Yeah. The thing that I like about this is you're playing those three mini games and your score is based on your highest score across all three of them. 
So, like, you can't just spend all your time focusing on one of the things because then your score is going to be really high on the other two. Yeah, you might have zero votes, but you have $900 or whatever. Right. So, you're, you're going to lose. Yeah. So, I think I was good at this game because that's how I always play. Like, I always try and balance things and not ignore anything. I, I right. don't know why. So, a game like Newton, I don't do well at. Because Newton, you'll do so much better if you're like, you know what? I'm not even going to look at the world map. I'm just going to focus on these two tracks and just do them. And right. then you end up doing really well. I like Since I was able to balance things, I think I did fairly well at this game. Um, and that's just kind of how I play games anyway. But yeah, I, that was the most surprising that I had so much fun playing it. Um, it's also surprising I got Jason to play Wingspan. So that was pretty good. Yeah, I, and I, that was fun. Like I did like that game. I just kind of, I almost wish it would have been a little longer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the last round where half your birds are on that card. Yeah. And you finally get your machines going. It's like a little like, <laughs> ah, I wish I had one more you know, turn to go. Right, yeah. But, and the other no, thing but it too, was nice. I liked it. If you went into that game not having it being pressed as like the game of all time, like it, it, it would be better. It's just the hype, the hype monster on this. It's a very good game, but it's not, it's not like the game to end all games, you know. And that's the way I think people try and make it out to be sometimes. But right, I do yeah. really like that game a lot. It is beautiful, um, but it's just it's a good light engine building game, you know. So I, I like it. Yeah, I had a good time playing it. I would play it again. Very cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, enough about our little get-together, I guess. Let's get right at it, Jason. What do you think? Sounds good. Jason, my number 70 is a game that I only own and play because of your wife. Um, I think you guys were doing your top whatever something at some point, and on your list was Shakespeare. And I went to my local shop, and they had Shakespeare 50% off, and I thought, you know what, I'll get this game and um i got home with it it's it's got an interesting box cover but it's like in that same category of dude on the front of a box not too interesting looking then i opened the box and it's a good size box i opened it up and i looked inside and i was like ah crap half the game's missing like there's <laughs> where are the rest of the components at and sure enough it was all the components actually so <laughs> this is one of those games though there's not much to it it's like a stack of cards and some cardboard chits and it's like player boards. And, and basically you're just trying to, it's a bunch of tracks that you're trying to move up on and trying to make the best production that's overall solid and, and does a good job. Um, but it's got some kind of cool like tiling, tiling, I guess, kind of things where you're trying to make these scenes kind of symmetrical. Um, that's kind of hard to explain, but you're laying these tiles down and you have to like kind of try and build them evenly. And then you're trying to get different players or different workers for your theater company that are going to do different jobs, including costuming and, and, and thespians and, um, you know, all kinds of people. And it's just kind of a neat game. It's got like this worker placement kind of card collecting. I don't know. It's just a neat game. Um, and it's, it's one of those games that it's obviously kind of hard for me to describe. And when you look at it, it doesn't look like much. But when you're playing it, it's actually a lot of fun and a really smooth, just well-made game. Oh, yeah, I agree. I'm pretty sure this might show up later. But if not, yeah, it's a good game. <laughs> like I like that you're kind of doing some blind bidding to yeah. determine your turn order. And then you're using what you bid with as your workers. So you might bid low because low bid, I think, goes first. Right. But then you have less workers to do things with. So it's kind of a, you know, right. a give and take, which is really interesting. You can do a couple of really important things or do a lot of things, but not care when you do them really. Right, right. Um, and you kind of have to do both. Um, 
And then I don't have the expansion, and there's no reason I don't have it. I mean, it's super cheap. It's like five bucks or something. But then it lets you use your actors that aren't involved in the production that round to right. do some backstage stuff, which I think seems really cool, too. And it's cool. And it comes with a new character, which is a bear, which I think is hilarious. So <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a good pick. I like that one. All right. So my number 70 is a game from What's Your Game, and it is called Asgard. So what this game is, is you are basically preparing for, um, shoot, what's the word called? Um, the end of the times when in Viking mythology. Valhalla? Uh, no, what is it no, called? No, Valhalla is when they die. Um, uh, Katie would be screaming it at the yeah, radio and right I now. like Blood Rage too, and the game's all about that. <laughs> But whatever, you're trying to fight the <laughs> last battle of, you know, the Norse gods mythology. And you're doing this through some simultaneous card selection. So you're going to pick a card and that's going to determine where you can go on this board. Any space is going to let you do a couple different things. You can build an altar to the god, which is going to allow you to put, you know, have favor in the final battle. And then, uh, or you can go to Valhalla to recruit more workers. So you have more uh, actions that you can take throughout the game so it, it's it's a simple game to play but it's really rules heavy so if you can get through the rules and you can figure it out and remember everything that you need to remember it's a really quality game but it's super heavy and i really like it i'd like to play it more but i don't want to teach it so number 70 for me is asgard ragnarok yeah ragnarok good yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> i heard katie yell it from your house all the way in indiana <laughs> yeah ragnarok uh yeah very good, man. Uh, I haven't played this one yet. It's sitting on my shelf, courtesy of my dear, dear, dear friend and co-host, Jason Smith, um, who had a second copy somehow, which is kind of awesome. Um, but I definitely need to play this one. It looks good. Yeah, it is good. Very cool. Uh, my number 69, Jason, uh, is Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea, um, which is also called Hollis. Um, <laughs> no, it's H-O-L-A-S. not. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's a cool game. It's a minute dudes on a map 4X game. Um, it's like a pretty standard 4X game, um, but it's actually like the tiny epic games all grew up and melded together and become a big box game. And um, you're basically doing 4X stuff to try and explore a map. And um, yeah, uh, you're you're just doing your standard 4X stuff. And uh, it's it's really a cool game because every faction plays a little differently because their player boards being slightly different. Um, but you also have the land, air, and sea part is that you have a ship and you have like an airship and then you have guys on land and all of those kind of act differently. Um, and the components are really fun in this game. It's got miniatures, Jason. Sorry, but the miniatures are pretty cool. Some of them don't actually matter at all, to be honest. But um, miniatures, man, they don't always take away from a game. So um, this is one case where I think the miniatures actually kind of make the game better and cooler so this one is uh for tim tim loves this game too i'm not sure if this one would be higher on tim's list or not tim our fan man seriously our fans are awesome like we love you guys so anyway um and if you're not connecting with us man connect with us because you're our buddies and so that's why you get by name mentions on the podcast so <laughs> yep so tim uh loves this game i'm sure it would be higher than 69 for him um but anyway a little like I wanted to mention Tim just because like we missed you this weekend, buddy, um, and we hope to play with you again soon. So anyway, that was a little just wink and nod at Tim, who's been a big fan and, and a good friend of ours. So anyway, moving on. Uh, here's Land, Air, and Sea number sixty nine. Yeah, this isn't one that I have played, and I probably won't play. But I do like some of the tiny epic games like um, Galaxies, 
Um, and that's it. That's all I've played. This one's closest to Kingdoms, probably. Oh, okay. I've played Harbor, too, which isn't a tiny epic game, but it is. It really this, is. It's in the same side box. Tiny epic Lahav, but Gameling yep. Games didn't buy it. You know, I mean, that's really what it is. Right. All right, anyway. All right, so my number 69 is a game from Stefan Feld, which cost about $19 or $20 if you want to find it on Amazon, <laughs> and it is called In the Year of the Dragon. This used yes. to be higher, but I haven't played it a ton, which is partially why it fell down. But what this is, is it's um, a game that's going to slap you around for 10 or 12 rounds, and you're trying to figure out the best way to get slapped around less than everybody else. So you're taking your taking this little dragon and you're picking a set of two or three actions and you get to use one of those actions where you go other people can't go unless they pay money or whatever and then so you're taking one action per round to prepare you to do things in upcoming rounds so there's never enough time to do what you need to do there's never enough actions to do what you need to do you're going to get slapped around you just have to determine which rounds you're going to prepare for and which ones you're going to let the game just crush you. So if you like that and you like the game is beating you up more than you're not letting it beat you up, then check this one out. And that's my number 69 in the year of the dragon. Yeah. This is a lose the least and you'll win game for sure. For sure. Um, I was going to say, you used to play this one more. It used to be a lot higher until you developed a sense of soup of self-esteem and realized (laughs) you didn't have to be in a relationship with an abusive board game. So (laughs) yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. For sure. Uh, back in the old Meanfeld days, uh, <laughs> yeah. not Happy Rondell, Knights of the Round Table Feld, which I think will be later in the list if I had to guess. Yeah, I think so. Actually, that one I've been thinking more about all the time, and it might be a top 100 game if I redid this today. That's good, man. It, yeah, it might be. I think if we would have played it on Saturday, you would have had to cross something off your list and move this in. Possibly. Possibly. I, I like it quite a bit, actually. The first time I played it, I sucked at it, and I still had fun. That's a good sign. So Yep, yep, that is true. For sure. All right, Jason. Well, my number 68 is a game that means blue in Portuguese or something, <laughs> and that is Azul. Um, I like this game really fine, um, and I don't know if it was higher before. It might have been, but this is just a good, clean game. I, it's not a lot of fun to it. Like, just, woo, this is a laugh a minute, but... It's a neat little puzzle that about anybody can play. You're basically taking sets of tiles off of a bigger coaster tile and then matching them up into these little like half a pyramid shape kind of things. Once your row's full, you can slide a slide a tile over and you're just trying to make the nicest array to score the most points. Um, completely an abstract game, even though they try and say it's about tiles or something in a mosaic. It's really about just making something that matches your board. And actually, um, this one, it's crazy. This is one that I think of as being like a totally a gateway game. But when you play it with completely gateway people, they don't know how to play very well. And you beat them pretty bad. And that's why recently when I've played this with first-time players, I do actually use that backside where it has like the preset pattern kind of thing on there. And that really is helpful to like players that are having a hard time. So it's a good gateway game with a couple of layers of, of uh, gameplay on it. And uh, yeah, it's Azul, a, a pretty cool little game. So 68 Azul. Yeah, I like this one too. I don't think it's on my list. Maybe maybe it's in my 100 to 200, but yeah, I like it. And it's gone over pretty well with people who don't play a ton of games, which is kind of surprising because that scoring at the end, oof, beast. Yeah. 
Well, and there's like a lot of like little concepts that people have to understand. Like if you don't fill a row, you don't clear it off. Like, so I was playing with somebody one time and they were just slaughtering me. And then I watched them and they cleared their whole card off every time. I was like, no, 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 you can't do that. If you don't fill a row, you keep that row in place. And then that's why you have to break a bunch of tiles because you don't have room. And they were like, oh, I didn't get that. So like, I don't know. They, right, yeah. they were scoring a lot of points. Because I wasn't paying attention. But yeah, it's it's a cool game though. Uh, 68. So other games I'd rather play, but I would probably play this one if you asked me to. That's cool. So my number 68 is a game from Uwe Rosenberg. And I actually always thought this was my favorite Uwe game. But I guess I was wrong because I don't know what I like as much as the ranking engine does. And that game is La Havre. Yeah. So this was much higher before. Again, it's just probably because I don't play it a ton because the setup sucks. And it just kind of goes on a little longer than I would like. So in this game, you are you have a worker and you're trying to... You have this little boat. You're either going to take stuff from a port or you're going to use your worker to take an action of a building. What you're trying to do is you're trying to convert goods into money because at the end of the game, whoever has the most money is the winner. So you want to buy buildings, you want to get goods on your boats, so you can sell the goods for the most amount of money to be the winner. It's typical resource conversion type stuff, but in an Uwe Rosenberg package. So my number 68, Lahav. Last time I played this game, I got it out to play it, and I remembered about the whole phase where you're building boats. And I was like, oh yeah, this is a lot more involved than I remembered. Because I remember taking all the stuff and getting kind of your like port developed and stuff. Right, yeah. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, you're ultimately trying to build these boats. So I played the short game instead of the regular game. Right. And the short game isn't nice, isn't quite as satisfying, but I would say it's similar in the amount of time played to like ratio of like happiness it makes you have or like gratification you get from it. So the short game is not bad on this, but you're right. It's just a little, little long. That's why it's, that's why it's not, you know, like a, a, a top 10 for me, but it's, I think, quite a bit higher on my list. And I really do enjoy this game because it does feel like you're opening presents every time you get to take a stack of goods. Oh, yeah, it's just for sure. The game feels a little broken, like it's being too generous, but then <laughs> really you still like, I don't know, you don't get beat around by this game much, but I do like it. It's, it's happy, happy people at a port instead of miserable people on a farm by Rosenberg. So, <laughs> I mean, you still do have to feed them though, which kind of sucks, but <laughs> super easy though in this game compared yeah, to that, that's Agricola. True. Like, yeah, like, hey, look, I got 50 fish sandwiches. Eat up, boys. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, Jason, my number 67 is going to make you mad because it should be number six or seven, according to you. Um, number 67 for me is Quacks of Quedlinburg. I like this one a lot. The more I play it, the more I like it. I don't think it would have hit the top 100 a month ago. Played it a couple times in the last month, and I really enjoyed it. So... I don't know. It's just a good game. I don't typically like pusher luck because I have such bad luck, it feels like. But I really enjoyed it this last time. And I started playing on the side with like the dual drop track on it. Oh, yeah. That's the good side. Yeah. You can use the bottom track, which the bottom track doesn't feel like it's worth doing until you start looking at some of that stuff way up the track. And you're like, wait, okay, hold up. You can get extra black chips and all kinds of stuff. So... Um, pretty, pretty interesting to balance that choice between getting the permanent boost or getting that bottom track to fire for you. So, um, Quacks of Quedlinburg, really good. I have not played with the Arab Witches, but I've heard the Arab Witches make this game go from about an eight to a 10. Oh, so yeah. Oh, I've heard yeah. it improves the game quite a bit, honestly, which is, which is weird. Cause when I've heard it described, I'm like, oh, that's so tacked on and a money grab. But everyone I've, I've, I've talked to who's played it goes, uh, no, it's really awesome with the 
with the herb witches. So uh, I'm going to have to check that out. I mean, yes, it is kind of tacked on. And all those herb witches powers, every single one of them breaks the game. It's like Marco Polo style breaking. But you can only use each of them one time. So then it kind of balances out because everybody has the ability to use them all. So, yeah, it's it's so good. And there's new chips that are just amazing. Oh, it's good times. I'm going to have to get more coin capsules. <laughs> yeah, because there's a whole pile of more chips. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Yeah, that was my 67, Quacks of Quedlinburg. I'm guessing you might talk about this one more later. Yeah, it'll probably show up later. Uh, my number 67 is a game all about being piratey. And it's called Libertalia. Yeah. So Libertalia is um, a simultaneous action selection where everybody's playing with the same cards for a while. And I say for a while because as the game goes on, people's hands are going to get a little different because they're going to have different cards left over. So what you're going to do is you're going to pick a card, you're going to flip it. The cards are going to fire off in like a number order. If there's ties, there's a little tiebreaker on the card. And you're trying to get booty from the ship. And you're trying to have certain types of people in your ship, I can't remember, the den or something, to end up scoring points at the end of the round. The whole gist of the game is to have the most points than everybody else and to try to outthink your opponents better than they're outthinking you. So if you kind of like that mechanism, because that's essentially the whole game is outthinking your opponents, then check out this one. So my number 67 is Libertalia. Yeah, this one's awesome. It's I uh, man, I don't know if it's out of print at this moment or not, but it's kind of hard to find right now. Um, it's a really good game, but I have a game that I feel like does a lot of what this game does. Um, and it will be on my list later, I believe. Um, and so that's kept me from from going out and trying to find a copy. But this is a game that I would definitely play anytime. And I think I don't know. It's just a it's a really good game. It really is. That hidden action selection thing is always fun. So good pick, Jason. Thanks. Yep. 66, Jason, for me, is Five Tribes. And, again, the ranking engine said this one's my number 66, which is a little <laughs> surprising. I didn't know it was going to be quite this high. But I do really like this game. It's got that Mancala thing um, where you're you're moving you know, the dudes around. And where you end up at, you get to do something worthwhile. So you're trying to kind of calculate how many tiles away and the paths you can make happen and what color dudes you want to have end up on the tile. Um, in order to either vacate the tile or you'll be able to do some kind of power based on the color of the people that you are pulling off. So um, it's that's a way oversimplification. There's also like some little player powers you can get, but it's overall a fairly simple game to teach and understand. But then the thinking that goes into every move is pretty intense. Um, I haven't played this one in months now, um, but I do remember liking this game quite a bit, and I think this is one that I'm eager, not eager, but I'm ready to play it again. I got a little tired of it for a while, um, but this one stood the test of time better than Yamatai, um, for sure. I kind of compared those two games in my head for a while. This is the one still in my collection. So, um, yeah, pretty pretty excited about uh, playing this one again, Five Tribes. Do you have any of the expansions on this one? I don't. And this yeah, I don't is one either. Of those ones, it's one of those ones where I thought the game was perfectly okay without an expansion yeah and i didn't i, I saw the the artisans look kind of cool um but i was like man i don't know if i want to you know drop that kind of quant on on getting a you know another chunk of a game that i feel like is pretty good already you know so yeah if artisans is a must-have let us know i guess yeah i've only played the base and i love it i think it has a perfect amount of stuff going on and i never feel like it needs anything else so yeah i don't know that's kind of where i'm at too i mean like i think the artisans might be cool but I don't know. It's just, it's, uh, it's big enough expansion that I feel like, Hey, that's half of a new board game. So I never buy it. So right. 
yeah, that's that's I guess my thoughts on it. So anyway, uh, five tribes for me. Cool. So moving on from Mancala, we're going to some slutty maids, and my number sixty six is Tanto Cuore. Yes. Yes. Did you actually get a chance to play this? I um, haven't, but I'm oh, okay. so eager to play it. <laughs> yeah. So this is a it's a deck building game. It follows the Dominion format pretty closely. But it, it throws in some different things where you have to thin out your deck and they go into like your um your private quarters and based on you're trying to do like a set collection sometimes in your private quarters. Sometimes you can get cards in your private quarters that are gonna give you a special power as long as that card's on top of your, you know, other cards in your quarters. So that's kinda neat. So the artwork is subjective. If you like anime, you're probably gonna like it. I could care less. I just play the game for mechanisms. But this is one of my favorite deck builders. My wife really likes it way more than me, which is interesting since she's a female. But Tanto Cori, <laughs> sure. my number 66. <laughs> Listen, I I think like almost tongue in cheek, I think it's just a really great, hilarious theme. Like I'm not a misogynist, at least not overtly. And I just think it's funny. Like the theme is just ridiculous. So it's it, kind of funny. Yeah, it really is ridiculous. But it's got kind of cool things. Like every set seems to have like a little side thing going on with it, like meetups or like trials or whatever. Um, and so that's kind of cool, I think, too. Um, so, yeah. And like you can own beer stalls in the one, I guess, like all kinds yeah. of crazy stuff. Yeah. Oktoberfest is really good. And they introduced some some dudes in there, too, in the newest one. So but they're not as scantily clad. So sorry, ladies. <laughs> the uh, Winter Romance, I think, is the one with the butlers. Yeah. Yeah. That one looks really cool, and you can set people up, and it says, like, meet up successful. Um, I don't know. It's got those dual-sided cards. I don't understand how that mechanic works yet. I'm not going to pretend like I do, but it looks interesting to me. You will. And this is one that, honestly, I am more eager to play this game probably than I ought to be. Like, I really just want to play this game pretty bad. Like It's it's really good, dude. It just looks good. And uh, (laughs) cover the children's ears. Um. My fun, my favorite line that I made. I'm going to quote my own fun line: "Is <laughs> these cards sure do seem waterproof?" So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really uh, are nice quality cards, though. Like they really are, yeah. So anyway, all right, uh, <laughs> whatever. I'm moving on. Uh, number sixty-five is a spicy game, Jason. Very spicy. <laughs> I thought we just talked about that, <laughs> Scoville. <laughs> the other spicy pepper game. Um, <laughs> this game is like basically a worker movement, worker pathing type game where you're making hybrids of peppers in order to fulfill recipes. And then also there's like an auction too at the beginning of every phase. So you can get some you can get some peppers from the board, harvesting them and making hybrids, or you can get them from this auction. But then the auction's kind of the only way you can get some of the peppers later in the game because like as you pollute the pepper population, there's no more pure yellow peppers that are going to pop out. So it's kind of interesting to see that shift that happens too, where at the beginning of the game, you're like, ah, I don't care about those. I'm just trying to get the higher level peppers. And then towards the end of the game, you're like, oh man, these beginning peppers that are really hard to get are like going at auction for kind of a lot of money and stuff. So um, kind of interesting that you're just trying to collect certain peppers based on what you need for recipes and contests. Um Pretty cool game, though, uh, and it plays fairly quick. It's fairly good pacing on it, um, and you're really interested in what every other player does, so you're staying engaged the whole time because you want to see 
who's going to block you where, who's going to plant what peppers where so that you can't or can do what you want to do. You're always looking at the board to try and find advantages that you think might help you to fulfill those recipes more efficiently than other people. Um, just kind of a neat little game, pretty fun. The only weird thing on it, and I don't know why, I think it probably has to do with the fact that they punched the board to have the peppers, like the holes in the board, which is essential. Like the board has holes punched for these peppers to set down into the recessed board, um, which is super clever and keeps the game from sliding and being ruined with every, if you looked at the board wrong, it would be ruined if it didn't have that. <laughs> right, but it yeah. has like their puzzle pieces that snap together, which is kind of weird. Um, I kind of wish they could just have like a, a dual fold board for it, but I guess maybe with the manufacturing process that wasn't possible. And this one does have an expansion that actually is out and I've never played it, but it looks kind of interesting as well. So Scoville from TMG, uh, my number 65 game of all time. I would play this one about any time. Yeah. I think I talked about this maybe last week. I really like this game too. It's super fun. It's in both of our collections. I mean, that's a good game. You know, yeah. when you yep. play my copy and you're like, I need a copy of my own. So that's true. And, and there's quite a few games on this list that are the ver- reverse where I played your copy and I was like, I need to own this. And those are probably higher on this list than that yet now. Oh, that creaky door everyone heard was brought to you by my dog. He's <laughs> coming to say goodnight to me, I guess. Um, all right. My number 65 is a game that gets like no love at all. It's from Renegade. I think it was one of the first games that I ever got from Renegade and it's called Covert. So... What this game is, is it's a dice placement game. And based on where and how many dice you put down is going to determine how strong some of your actions are or how many different types of cards you can get. So you're trying to use these dice to move around this map, kind of ticket to ride style, because you got to get some people in certain locations because they're going to reference goal cards that if they're not in that location, you can't complete the card. You're trying to get different types of items like a shoe phone, uh, recording device, false documents, so on and so forth, guns. And you're also trying to get new missions so you know what type of stuff you need to collect. It's a fairly light game, but it's done in kind of a medium package. It has a lot of setup and there's a lot of rules overhead, but the way you actually play it is pretty simple. So if you like dice placement, you like fulfilling contracts and collecting cards to do that type of stuff, then I say, I say you need to check this out. So my number 65 is Covert. Yeah, so this is definitely one you don't see out in the wild, Jason. And I like think it's a pretty neat game. I played this one once. You really do feel like a spy going out, placing these die, gearing up to be a better spy. Kind of a neat game, but I think you're right, Jason. You just don't see it out there very often. And for somebody who's a big James Bond, f- Bond fan like you, um, I could see where you'd love this game as much as you do. Oh, for sure. It's super awesome. Yeah, I I think the theme is partially why I like it. The dice placement, yeah, it's whatever. But it's the theme pretty is light. Cool. Yeah, it, it is fairly light, but it's fun. But yeah, the theme's awesome, for sure. Well, speaking of a game that's completely opposite, the theme is... What theme? But the gameplay is awesome. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I have Grand Austria Hotel, where apparently you're getting coffee and wine and... And streusel. Strudel, whatever it is. White cube stuff and brown cube. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, what's a streusel? But yeah, like you're serving people food in a hotel and like, so just collecting cubes and fulfilling orders seems like it would be enough in a game to make it a game that would be kind of fun because you're drafting die to do that better. But then if that wasn't enough and it's not for this, this game collecting game designing cooperative, you have to have a little like puzzle thing too, where you're trying to open certain rooms and certain patterns to do set collection on these rooms as well. So um, kind of a heavier game. The more I think about it, it's not super heavy. The rules are pretty basic on it, but there's just a lot to think about in this game where it's like, okay, um, I feel you. Like we've got 
to get all the blue rooms open or get these rows or columns or whatever. So I'm kind of neat. The theme doesn't feel like it makes a lot of sense that you're building a hotel or preparing rooms based on if you can feed people enough coffee and streusel, but um, it works, I guess. It's a good game, a really quality, just mechanically super sound game. Grand Austria Hotel 64. Yeah, I'll be talking about this later, but every time I play this game or talk about it, I want to watch the Grand Budapest Hotel from Wes Anderson. That's a great movie. Dude, dude it's so good. But like the box kind of looks like the movie cover, sort of. So yeah. every time every time I see it, I'm like, dude, I want to watch that movie now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then like, I don't know, I think every board game has like uh has a Wes Anderson movie to go along with it, you know? Like uh Prodigal's Club, definitely Royal Tenenbaums. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. And then and then Darjeeling Limited, like every train game you ever think of. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's awesome. That's true. He's the the Hollywood board gamer, I guess. Hollywood board game, buddy. <laughs> so my number sixty four is a game that I played at a BGM con, and it is from What's Your Game because I like their games, and this is called Railroad Revolution. I'm probably going to explain this poorly, but essentially what you're doing is you're using different colored workers to take different actions on your board based on the color of your worker, is going to determine which of the four actions you're allowed to do. Uh, you're also trying to complete routes from one location to another, which is going to help you get points and additional abilities. Basically, it's just a take actions, fire off more actions to get some points to get more actions type of game. And I like those. And it's fun, it's tight, and it's what your game that's my jam. So number 64, Railroad Revolution. I may be talking about this one in a couple of weeks, uh, but I'm with you. It's a great game. And like I think the only thing I would add to your description is there's basically like four different base actions you can do. I think there's four, like doing the telegraph, developing routes, kind of things like that, doing stocks. And your, your colored person just slightly modifies how that action works. So like if you're doing telegraphs you get extra benefits based on the color of the person doing the telegraph work so it's it's a really cool game though for sure and it's not near as heavy as it seems it would be like it's it's definitely like what's your game was like let's make a game for children and it was this game so um but it's still a fairly heavy game in the general population but for a what's your game game it's pretty light really Um, that's true yeah it is i i like it quite a bit um more later speaking of more later jason um I don't, that doesn't make any sense. I was trying to do a segue there. It just didn't work. <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> How about this? Yeah, you should be really mean to me because I did a bad job with that transition there, Jason. And if you're really mean to me, I'd call you Kalis because that's my number 63 game. <laughs> I could be the whatever that guy is. Um, I don't even know what he's called. The little guy the that handsome you man with a jovial face. Slaps you around. The, yeah. So Kalis is like, one of the first worker placement games, definitely one of the first ones I ever played. It's um, just your pretty standard dry Euro worker placement game where you're putting little it's, – it's your standard – there's squares and then there's tiles you put into the squares to make the board look different. And you're putting guys on there and you're using disks and cubes and little houses. So your standard super dry Euro, it's one of the classics out there. Um, I still like it quite a bit. Probably as much for nostalgia as anything, but um, I couldn't play this game for a long time. It was a game that I, w- I played, one of the first games I played probably 10 years ago that was I felt heavy. Then it was like, hey, you can't find this game anymore, and now it's back. So, Kalis, uh, pretty cool game. If nothing else, if you want to have a like well-rounded collection of games, I would say this game's worth putting in there because it just it's 
it's a classic. You know what I mean? So like, it's just, it's worth having in there just to have one of the games that was kind of a founding father. It's like the reason why you go visit, you know, the Statue of Liberty today. It, it symbolizes liberty, even though we're not, you know, going to Ellis Island. It's like a piece of our heritage. And so is this. Like, Kalos is a piece of our heritage. You can see like the roots of so many other games in this game. Um, Kalos is my number 63. Yeah, this is one I still need to play, which is crazy. I should have played it by now, but I haven't. So someday. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. It's you're gonna play it and go, yeah, I get why people think it's good, but it feels old now a little bit for sure. Um, but I think it's one of those things that, like, seriously, it's just uh, it's a paying homage to it kind of thing, you know. So sixty three K list. Speaking of games that aren't looking too great, Jason, do you have a game you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, my sixty three is a card game from Stefan Feld, and it is called. Bruges, or if you don't have the American version, Bruges, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So mine is actually the German version with paste-ups. Irrelevant, plays the same. But what this is, is a card game. You're trying to use cards in multiple different ways. You're trying to use them to collect workers of a certain color. You're trying to use them to uh, make canals of a certain color. You might turn them into a building of a certain color, or you may play them for the person that's on the card that's going to give you a special ability throughout the game. I think there's one more, or you can use it to get rid of like a plague too of that color or just get money so that each card can be used for five or six different actions. And you're trying to do things better than everybody else. It's just a, it's a pretty simple game, but in true Stefan Feld fashion, there's a bajillion ways to get points. It's a little mean, like the plague is going to come and slap you around and there's four different colors. If you get a, three of the same color, bad things are going to happen. So don't let that happen. So you can't just focus on playing the game to the best of your ability. You also have to fight the game off. So I like that. This is one of my favorite Feld games. And number 63 is Bruges. Yeah, definitely. mean, like you're playing, you've got all these foundations or whatever of houses up, buildings up using the card backs. And then your whole like village burns down or whatever. I mean, like just, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty mean that, at times you can just get some bad luck or if you don't pay attention to some details, like you can get messed up pretty bad. Um, but a billion ways to play and win. And I think that when he made this game, I think he was like, he had just played a game of magic, the gathering. And he was like, I want to make a, a crazy zany wacky card game. And that was his answer to it. So it's Stefan Feld's version of a, a, Zach, a zany wacky card game with theme and um, wild player powers. So yep. Yeah. In, in, in true Feld fashion, it's still just very dry and mathematical. It's a good game. I owned a copy too. Um, I traded mine away um, because like it's it was kind of a game that people wanted for a while. And um, I liked it, but I didn't love it anymore. And so I thought, you know what? This needs to go to someone else's house where they'll enjoy it and get a chance to play it for a season. And then they can trade it on too or whatever. Um, and I do regret it a little bit. Like This was probably my favorite Feld for a long time. Um, I think Berlin might be actually now, even though I don't think I made this list. But um, yeah, a really good game. Yep. 62, Jason, is a game that I didn't think the expansion was going to make better. I actually was like, I don't, man, I kind of like how everything just disappears when you use it up. And then I play with the expansion and I go, oh, okay, everyone was right when they said the expansion makes it better. And that is Champions of Midgard, especially with the Valhalla expansion. So good. Um, it The Valhalla expansion, I think, almost makes this game as much better as like Tuscany made Viticulture better. Um, it just really does make the game better. It makes it feel like if you can't exactly optimize your dice, you're going to be okay. 
Um, there's some other stuff that you can do on that other little board where the guys go to Valhalla. Um, I don't have, what is it? The white mountain. I don't remember what it's called. Dark other, mountains. Dark mountain. Yeah. The opposite of white mountains. Um, I don't have that expansion. I've heard that one's really good too. Um, but I've heard Valhalla is the most ex- essential one. So I started there. Um, and I still haven't gotten tired of the game playing it with Valhalla. If I do get tired of it, I might add dark mountain and we'll see. But 62 champions of Midgard. Dark Mountains doesn't add a ton. It just adds like extra baddies you can fight. And I think it gives you like a special blue die that everybody has or something. It's Valhalla's better, but the other one's cool too. Yeah, Valhalla adds crazy die too. So I mean like That's true, that pink one is awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I'm guessing you might talk about this one later. Maybe not. I don't know. But Yeah, this is definitely up higher for me. Yeah, I, I like it a lot though. It's a good game. All right, so my number 62, I think you may have already talked about this one. I can't I did. remember. I didn't know you liked this game this much. That's crazy. Yeah, I do. And I I really do like this game. So my number 62 is Takenoko. Um, I've played this with lots of people, gamers, non-gamers, people who just think the panda's cute and wanted to play something. We played it. And it goes over well every time. It's an easy game. You're picking an action. You're rolling a die to get maybe a bonus action. And you're trying to eat bamboo to complete these different cards. You're trying to get different sizes of bamboo stacks on certain types of terrain to complete more cards. You're trying to get the terrain in certain formats to score some cards. And the first person to get a certain amount of cards ends the game, gets some extra points, and then you add extra points to whoever has the most points is the winner. Super easy, super fun to play, and it's gorgeous. So I think that's... that helps people like it a little bit. So my number 62, Takenoko. Yeah, so my evolution of games that I play with people who have only played like Hasbro childhood games is I think you got to start, like always, with some kind of ticket to ride. But you may not have to if you just go straight to Takenoko. But Takenoko is one of those very first games that I play with people. And I think Takenoko is a little more involved than Ticket to Ride, but it's a really great like gateway or next steps game. And then I go from that into Airlines Europe. But this is right there in those early first few games I play with people to just show them like how cool games can be and how fun they can be. And it, you're right. It goes over really well with everyone. I think this was about number 98 for me. But anything in the top 100, again, is just a really good game. And I, I really think it's great too. It really is trying to dawn on me too. I forget what the game was that someone posted they're like hey have you guys ever played this game i really enjoyed it and i haven't heard anything about it and it was like something that was wildly popular like power grid or something like you know five ten years ago and so i'm starting to understand that there's people coming to this hobby all the time and if a game came out five years ago it might as well come out 500 years ago because we don't talk about games that are five years old that's true this this is one that people may not know about um takenoko and if you don't go check it out it's really good like really good um so anyway yeah uh, speaking of really good games, Jason, this is one that you and I played last time you were here, and I think you liked it pretty well. Um, even though it takes maybe half a game to really understand what you're doing in this, it's an auctioning, tile placement, worker placement, um, kind of cool game where you're getting different colored of workers um, who um, I guess are kind of segregated. They don't get along, so you only have one color of, of worker at each position, and that is Keyflower, um, the game where you're bidding with a certain color of worker to get the people to come do work for you. Um, and then if you if you get them to do the work or get you the tile, then it goes into your little village. You're moving these little carriages around to try and like deliver stuff around and just get a bunch of points. Um, it's just a balancing of a, like a lot of things. And then trying to get good people into bidding 
in ways that doesn't make sense, all the while trying to bid in ways that do make sense for you. Um, kind of a cool, like how they use a hex, the sides of a hex for bidding too. Um, just kind of a neat game. Uh, it's It's been one of those, hey, if you like heavy euros, try this game out kind of things for a while, but I don't think it ever really got popular because I think the company that put it out like is kind of a smaller company. Um, and they put out a different key game every week, it feels like. But Key, key Flower is probably my favorite still. Um, like it quite a bit. Yeah, I think the auctioning thing is amazing where everybody has their own size of the hex. And if you put a red worker down, then everybody else has to bid red because right. the Russians can't be with the Chinese or whatever, you know, <laughs> right? whatever the theme is. But I think the reason why this game hasn't really taken off is because he names every one of his games key something. And that is awful. <laughs> yeah. Like it's confusing. Key market, key to the city, London, key to the city, whatever, key to turds. I don't know. It's just <laughs> dumb. Just call it something else. <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah. No, I mean, key flower makes sense for this one or just call it Mayflower. I don't know. Like, right. Yeah. Mayflower is what it should be. Yes. And I think, yeah. And if the production and the art on this were a little higher, I think this game would have been, I, I think mechanically the game has the makings of being a top 20 game of all time. Um, but the art and production on it is just a little bit like, even this game isn't really necessarily like my typical kind of game. I like, and I still think it's a top 100 game. So it's really, really good. Um, yeah, Key Flower. I'm, I'm done talking about it now, I guess. Yeah, I enjoyed this one. It's good. Um, so the last one I'm going to talk about is my number 61. And this is a game you may have talked about before, or it's, well, you may have talked about a game like it. And it's called Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Yes. Um, so I just recently played this. Well, not recently, but in 4th of July, we were at some friend's house and they don't play a ton of games, but we busted this one out and it was a hit. And then I remembered how much I really do like this game. It's uh, essentially a tile laying game. You're buying some tiles to add to your castle. Certain tiles want to go with other tiles to trigger some point chains. And you're just trying to have the most points at the end of the game. And everybody's going to have a really cool shaped castle when all said and done. And it looks really neat. So, I think this might be higher if I could if I actually wanted to set it up because setup gets a little monotonous because you got to get all those tiles out, you got to put them on the board, you got to remove some from the game. It's just a bear, and I don't like it. So, my number sixty one, Castles of Making Ludwig. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, I I like it too. My copy spilt in my car, and like the <laughs> oh, tiles went everywhere. That's awful. <laughs> and I and then I traded that car in, and I'm missing three tiles now. So like. <laughs> And I think they're in my garage somewhere, but I still don't know where they're at. So kind of bums me out, but it's a good game for sure. I've got a mostly complete copy for trail, for, for trail, for trade. <laughs> um, and it's advertised as completely complete. Just don't cut the parts. Um, <laughs> it probably wouldn't be a big deal anyway, really. Nah, it's, yeah, it's, it's some of the buildings that don't get used. So it's definitely playable. But it just makes me feel bad that my game's broken now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Good game, though, Jason, for sure. It's fun. It's wacky to say, oh, man, check this out. This is uh, the heavy metal rock band <laughs> room is right next to the baby's nursery. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> I put stuff the, like that. I put the bottomless pit right next to the, the bedrooms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. Right. Yeah, it's funny. Wait, why do the stairs go down from the backside of the bedroom into the dungeon? That's weird. <laughs> Yeah, stuff like that. Yep. For sure. My next 10, Jason, I'm just taking a quick look at them. Yeah. I think my highest co-op game comes in the next 10. So that's that's something. 
I haven't looked so. at mine, so let's see if my word my Excel will pop up quickly. It won't. Spoiler. Hey, it did actually. I have. I don't think I have any co-ops. No, yeah. co- no co-ops. You're you're not a co-op guy, and I've become less of one. Yeah. It's a neat concept, but yeah, it's good to help like get people into gaming. After that, I don't want to play it anymore. Yep, that's fair. There are a few exceptions. I, I mean, they feel like more like puzzles than they do. I don't know. I think there's probably five total in my top 100. People were a little surprised that Black Orchestra wasn't higher than it was. Black Orchestra is really good. I mean, it's number 128. And yeah, again, if really you're good. top 200, you're doing well. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think I like that. Well, I do like that because it's higher on my list than yours. But I've probably played it more than you as well, too, maybe. Yeah, possibly. Um, I I think that's why it got a little lower for me though too, is because like I feel like it's kind of the same process, just the cards come out in slightly different orders. Yeah, that's I true. Don't know. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Well, in my next top ten, Jason, uh, I'm gonna give some some just quick hints. We're gonna trade stocks in the South American mountains while trying to bust out Cthulhu and send fruit to different produce markets around the countryside. <laughs> All the while, we're gonna bribe some Chinese officials so that they can make our utility bills better. And maybe make some beer with that electricity while we play tug of war and recruit some people to my village who really, really love that the world's come to an end. So they're harvesting oranges. And then we're going to turn those oranges into other things using the power of an app and trying to transmute things. So I think now you know my whole next 10 if you're really, really clever, but you probably don't based on my terrible, terrible clues. So come back next week and find out what those games are. And if you have any guesses, go to our Facebook page and try and spoil my list. Hashtag spoil Joel's list. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that, I think I could get like eight of them from what you said. Well, to be fair, you uh, you do have my list. That's true. Just but, in case I died last week. But I wasn't looking when you were explaining, and I only looked at what this week's was. So I yeah, I, I think I could get like eight of them, though. Eight? Yeah. Eight. Give me one, Jason. Let's see what one of them you think is. Cinquetere. No. Oh, it's not. (laughs) No. One of the descriptions sounded just like that. Um, (laughs) Cinque Terra. Yeah. um, However you want to say it. Yeah. Dude, that game dropped a bunch, but it's a good game. And I was a little surprised that you were like, hey, let's play this one. Like this last weekend. It's a good game, though. Yeah. Well, it just seems cool. And I've never played it. And it's a cool theme. And you're starting, starting to be kind of on a pick up and deliver kick. Yeah. I'm starting to dig that a little bit. You know what I like about our podcast, Jason? What? We always have our own after show. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh. All right. You've been listening to the Board Game Boys after show, uh, which is called Spare Change in the Cushions of the Seat, found at the Mechanics Shop. Uh. It's a really bad name. We're working on a better one, but oh, those uh. boys in their top 10 list this week. <laughs> sure was bad. All right. Uh, that's Enough funny. with the after show. Hey, uh, I, I, uh, man, we broke an hour. Thank goodness. We can finally <laughs> shut up. Well, Pluto TV said we better go in an hour, and so we're going an hour. That's true. How else are they going to make a whole channel of us if we don't have hour-long episodes? Honestly, uh, episode 95, we probably could provide them with a week's worth of content, so that's pretty awesome. I'll, it's Pluto TV. They'll probably do it. I'll just contact them. <laughs> They'll put a channel on for us. <laughs> That'd be awesome. One of the channels is called Slow TV. It's literally like <laughs> dash cams on trains that you can just watch 24 hours a day. You haven't talked about the best channel yet either, though. I, I can't <laughs> talk about that saucy good channel. 
I I did scroll through it, and like when you talked about, it, I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, we got we got to talk about it because it's ridiculous. <laughs> There's definitely a Tanto Kore channel called Eye Candy, <laughs> and it has some real boom chicka boom chicka boom chicka boom music going all the time, and girls like dancing around in bikinis. It's the most ridiculous thing you ever see. <laughs> it reminds me of that. Uh, what was that show on MTV? Spring Break or something? <laughs> yeah. Is that what it is essentially? No, not even, dude. Uh. Like that tried to like be like, "Hey, we're a tourism show." This one's just like, "Hey, this girl's gonna like wear her bikini and roll around in the sand while boom, chicka boom, chicka boom, music goes." That's so stupid. Uh. It really is. It's like, yeah. Uh. That said, I'm sure there's some 13 year old boys who love that channel. Same boy like, that likes Tonto Quarry. <laughs> Uh, Joel Kratzer, circa 1993, to be honest. Oh, man. Come on, Jason. Own it. You know you were a pervy 13-year-old boy, too, because we all were. That's the spoiler. <laughs> yeah, everybody was. I mean, come on. I don't, feel the need right. to, I don't feel the need to watch Eye Candy today, but yeah, I could see that back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, back in the hard, hard, hardship <laughs> days. Wait. Okay, edit that out. <laughs> Uh, I gotta uh, shut up now, man. I'm trying to be a good citizen. All right. I've been Joel with the Board Game Mechanics in spite of, I shouldn't, I don't know. I don't know if I should claim the after show right there, but. Uh, All right. Um, yeah. Thanks for putting up with me, Jason. <laughs> Anytime. I do what I can. And I'm Jason with the Board Game Mechanics. And, and as I'm always, stopping re- keep gaming. Stop, stop recording. As always, stop recording. Stop recording.